Hey there, and welcome to Sex in the Sacred, where history, religion, and sexuality collide. I'm your host, Anna Zuckerman, and today, I'm here to retell a tale as old as time. It's appeared in several myth sets around the world, and gives us the opportunity to begin a conversation about comparative mythology. In learning to place these tales in our mythological web, so to speak, we may learn both about the way we gender the world and the way in which we can understand the role of intimacy in history. You're listening to Sex and the Sacred, and today we're talking about Mother Earth and Father Sky. Before we get going, I want to give you a heads up about today's content. This is not the episode where I'll talk at length about the concept of the divine feminine, masculine, or celestial sex. All three are featured here, and I'm sure it will occur to you that there is a ton more to talk about than what I'll cover here today. Don't worry. I promise to get to it all in time. However, those discussions will need to wait for another episode. Today, we will have to contain our analysis to the realm of comparative mythology, which I hope to give you an introduction to shortly. And now, without further ado, let's start with the Maori creation myth of Ranginui and Papa Tuanuku, called Rangi and Papa, adapted from the Terio Maori classroom. In the beginning, there was nothing, called Tekore. The first thing in the world was darkness, a long, long night called Tepo. In the midst of this long night, two beings came into creation, Renganui, the sky, and Papa Tuanuku, the earth. They loved each other fiercely and held each other tightly in a celestial embrace. From their union, children were born. These children would become the gods of the Maori. However, they lived in the cramped, dark world between their parents, crushed by Rangi and Papa's embrace. One day, they decided they must do something to free themselves. Let's kill them, said one. We cannot, cried another. What if we parted them, suggested a third. And although the vote was not unanimous, the brothers decided that this would be the best course of action. One of the brothers, called Tane, crouched on his head with his hands in the earth. He gave a mighty push with his strong, long legs. And slowly but surely, Tane began to push his mother and father apart. As the celestial couple was separated, the brothers saw daylight for the first time. Ranginui, mourning for his lover, wept bitter tears. To this day, his tears fall to the earth, creating rain to remind us of his lost love. The Maori people arrived in modern-day New Zealand in the mid-14th century, roughly between 1320 and 1350. Maori culture was reliant on maritime activities, and most historians will agree that the indigenous groups of the Pacific Islands were some of history's best sailors. Although Maori communities have survived to this day, white colonialism in the Pacific Islands has greatly damaged their way of life, culture, and religious practice. It is important for scholars to acknowledge these offenses and to attempt to correct the record, so to speak. 
Although indigenous traditions around the world have been irrevocably changed by colonialism, we have the opportunity to lift up indigenous voices and learn about the stories that existed long before the rise of imperialism. This history of colonial contact has made it difficult to compile complete sets of Maori myths. However, to the best of our knowledge, the creation story of Rangi and Papa survived from the pre-contact era without any major changes from white Christians. Therefore, I will leave the conversation of colonialism to the show notes, where I will post some sources for anyone who would like to pursue the topic further. The Maori myth of love, loss, and creation has been passed down orally for generations after generations. Different versions of the tale exist with varied details, but the core elements remain the same. The great love of Rangi and Papa is responsible for the creation of the gods. However, it is their separation that makes the world habitable. For all of time, then, the rains have fallen in tribute of the sky god's love for the Earth Mother. As if this story wasn't romantic or cool enough on its own, Here's the tidbit that makes this myth important to today's episode. The story of Rangi and Papa is just one of several global myths that feature the Mother Earth and Father Sky archetype. And, get this, they don't all come from the same geographical region. Awesome, right? Prove it, you say. Sure thing. Let's go through a couple of these myths. First, we have the Greek pair, Gaia and Uranus. Long before Zeus and his siblings took charge over their father, Cronus, Gaia, the Earth Mother, created herself. She created Uranus to be the god of the heavens, and their union resulted in the gods we know now as the Titans. Next, we have a pair from the East Asian steppe. Tengri, Lord of the Heavens and the early Chinese, Mongolian, and pre-Turkic peoples is the foundational deity of Tengriism, an ancient tradition that survives to this day. Tengriism relies primarily on Tengri and his relationship to Ume, the Earth Mother who likewise was worshipped throughout the steppe. Finally, we have the chief deity of Zoroastrianism, Ahura Mazda. In this story, Ahura Mazda unites with Spenta Armeidae, the spirit of the earth and, later in history, protectress of women and mothers, also sometimes considered to be a minor manifestation of Ahura Mazda himself. Although Armeidae is not given the same reverence as Ahura Mazda, the lord of the sky chooses her to be the mother of all life. While there are more of these mother earth and father sky stories, I want to pause and take note of the mythical variants of this archetype. In Egyptian mythology, for example, Jeb and Nut are deities of the earth and sky, whose union helps form the world. However, the goddess Nut composes the sky that reflects the sea, while Jeb composes the earth below, flipping the female earth and male sky trope on its head. Okay, let's pause for a second. At this point, you might be wondering, how do we end up with myths like this? What does it mean that these stories are so similar, but come from different regions and times? Well, while I can't answer those questions for you, there's an entire subfield of religious studies that exists to figure out the answers. 
And you guessed it, it's comparative mythology time. Comparative mythology developed as a natural response to the discovery of common themes and archetypes in different religions. At its most basic definition, the comparative method seeks to better understand each individual tradition, myth, etc. by placing it into a web with other traditions and myths, where similarities and differences can be distilled more easily. Let's get into it a little more. The similarities we find between myths help us understand human history and allow us to identify cross-cultural themes that connect humanity to itself. Many myths are similar because they once shared a common origin. Most of the early comparative mythologists believed that all mythology on some level came from one original myth set. And it is important to note here that this is not the common understanding now and hasn't been for some time. However, in more localized comparisons, we do see myths with common origins. In some cases, myths can show us where similar events happened in different regions, creating a legendary story we find worldwide. For example, the flood myth. Beyond this, we can use comparative mythology to identify the themes that bind humanity together, despite cultural, linguistic, and political differences. Mythologies around the world, as evidenced by our myths for today, all seem to identify the importance of intimacy. While this could, at its simplest, refer to an early understanding of sexual intercourse as the catalyst for pregnancy, these myths seem to go far beyond that. Psychologists like Carl Jung would argue that mythology serves to help us process our deepest human experiences. I leave it up to you to determine whether he was right. The differences we find between myths also help us to understand human history and mythological themes. The details that make stories unique point to the histories of the people who passed down those traditions. In many ways, contrasting two similar myths allows us to better understand each myth individually. For example, there is much for us to learn about intimacy in Maori and Zoroastrian traditions when we compare their Mother Earth, Father Sky myths. In the Maori tradition, Rangi and Papa are separated against their wills. They are eternally in love with one another and mourn the loss of their physical intimacy regularly. However, in the Zoroastrian tradition, Ahura Mazda takes a lover more for the result of creating life than for his emotional fulfillment. Although both myths feature sexual relationships between primordial deities, I would argue that the messages of the two myths could not be more different. Comparative mythologists rely on this method to connect and isolate myths, legends, and rituals throughout our history. A number of incredible works have been published on the topic, and though I have no time to list them all here, I urge you to visit the Sex and the Sacred website to check out the list I've left for you in the show notes. The list of notable mythologists there ranges from Max Weber and Claude Lévi-Strauss to the late great James Campbell, who has written most of the modern texts on the subject. Head to the website and learn more about this amazing subfield of religious studies. Before we wrap up for today, I want to touch on a few quick points. First, I have to reiterate that there is so much analysis that we just don't have time for. 
I could spend an hour at least just talking about the significance of the Earth's personification as female and the skies as male. The gendering of the physical world around us creates an inherently sexual perception of life. These myths reflect cultures in which gender was a major determinant of a person's life, although that does get complicated in the Pacific Islands. More on that in the show notes. Comparison gives us one of the most effective ways to dissect myths, legends, and religious traditions. By learning the nuanced similarities and differences between similar myths, we begin to flesh out our understanding of what these myths may really have meant to their believers. When we do this, Rengi and Papa are no longer just another Mother Earth Sky Father trope. They're intimately connected to the Polynesian islands, their weather patterns, and the spirituality of their people. Exploring the realm of comparative mythology is an imperative for modern religious studies scholars. So much of our human history can be uncovered through our folklore alone, and connecting our global stories through a thematic web might allow us to discover some of the core truths of humanity. I certainly look forward to seeing what the field will offer us in the coming years. And in fact, I hope you will all join me on the front lines of discovery. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and learned a little bit about comparative mythology through our analysis of Rangi and Papa. Next time on Sex and the Sacred, I'll be discussing one of Catholicism's most infamous popes. History loves to hate him, and I certainly love to watch the TV show about him. I'm talking about Rodrigo Borgia. Subscribe now to make sure you don't miss it. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about Rangi and Papa, Maori myths, or the basics of comparative mythology, head to www.sexandthesacred.com where you can find the show notes for this and every episode. Likewise, if you want to get in on our super cool Sex and the Sacred t-shirts, mugs, and other merch, search for Sex and the Sacred on your Redbubble or Patreon pages, where you can find us and help support the show. That's all for now. I'm your host, Anna Zuckerman, and you're listening to Sex and the Sacred, where history, religion, and sexuality collide. Thanks for tuning in with me. I'll see you next time.